Welcome to Staying the Course. Join us as we navigate the uncompromised Word of God with Pastor Brett Peterson. All right, last week we uh, talked about the armor of God. Who remembers that? And this week I told you we were going to talk about Hanukkah. Uh, how many of you light a menorah? Anybody? Or light a candle, some of you? Do you know that Hanukkah is a very important feast? And we're going to find out today why it is so incredibly important. But I want you to know this, whatever you're facing in life, Whatever battle you may be facing this morning, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Folks, whatever challenge you are facing, the Holy Spirit has given you the ability to be more than conquerors, to be soldiers of the cross, to stand up for truth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, for you are still fleshly. That's those that are operating in their own strength. Paul was talking about Christians that go to church and they're doing everything they do in their own strength. They fail miserably. They don't have the peace of God. They don't have the power of God. How's it sound? Oh, good, great. They don't have the Holy Spirit, that extra oil, that anointing, that baptism of the Holy Spirit that empowers and equips. So Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3.3, For you are still fleshly. For since there's jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? And are you not walking like, note this, mere men? Folks, we are strangers and aliens. The Bible says when you come to Christ, you are a new creation in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. We should not be living our lives as mere humans. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're ambassadors of a heavenly kingdom. And Hanukkah is about the final consecration of that kingdom. On your handout, if you see the menorah on the front, on the left it says Passover, and that goes with tabernacles. And then unleavened bread goes with the Day of Atonement, and first fruits goes with trumpets or the rapture. We talked about this before, but at the bottom, the eighth feast is Hanukkah. And this lampstand in the Bible represents the church. Did you know that? It's so amazing that Christians will celebrate Christmas that isn't even in the Bible, and more than likely Jesus was conceived around December 25th, but wasn't born until Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur, September or October. And we'll prove that to you next week when we talk about Christmas. Oh, I can't wait. I love Christmas. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Isn't it? Amen. No, some of you are like, no, it's crazy. <laughs> Dude, just putting up the Christmas decorations, man, I'm sore. All you know, it's like, I, I mean, did I say Hanukkah bush? I don't know what it was. But I do know this. The feasts of the Lord, all eight of them, most people say there's only seven, but Hanukkah is a feast. And note this, Jesus celebrated the feast of Hanukkah. Is one of the most important. 
this week we were going to talk about Hanukkah, but as I prayed all week long, God kept putting a different theme on my heart. It goes along with what we've been studying, getting ready to be sanctified, set apart for God, so that we could strap on the armor of God and fight the good fight. But God clearly all week long said the theme for today is oil your shields. Who remembers what that means from last week? Yeah, what does it mean? Yeah, hey, you, you've got to get that oil and oil your shields to protect them to, uh, so that people will slide off. And remember what was the boss on your shield? That was the center metal thing, sometimes pointy. So the shield was an offensive weapon, not just a defensive weapon. It represents our shield of faith. And the oil represents what? The Holy Spirit. Folks, you can have all the intellectual belief in Christ you want. And many pulpits today are filled with men that are intellectually smart. They know the Word of God, but they do not have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. They do not have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And thus, their words fall flat, even though they might have an intellectual idea that God is real. They lack the oil. Hanukkah is all about getting the extra oil. It's about becoming the men and women and young people that God's called us to be. By the time the New Testament was written, this phrase, oil your shields, was exactly like this phrase that we say today. Lock and load. What does that mean? Lock and load. Get ready to fight. Hey man, get your magazine in there. Load it up. Put a bullet in your gun. We are going to fight and oil your shields literally means prepare for war. But many Christians are not ready for the battle that is about to ensue. In fact, many Christians have already failed and they every day they lose every little battle they face. They fall into every temptation that comes their way. They're not ready for the war that's ahead of us. You know, Jesus made it clear, in this world you're going to have tribulation. In the last days you'll be hated by all men on account of my name. And some will be killed. Folks, there is a battle ensuing that we need to armor up and prepare for battle. We made it to week 34 in our 40 weeks to freedom. You know, when we started this, God, I don't know why, but he said, you have 40 weeks, the church, the big C church, could we call it the ecclesia? That's the church global around the world. The remnant bride of Christ has 40 weeks to get their house in order, to strap on the armor of God, which we completed last week. If you missed it, you can watch it. And to be soldiers and ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Our last Sunday in this 40 weeks to freedom or 40 Sundays to freedom is January 31st. Now, I don't know what 2021 is going to hold for us, but I do know this. God said we need to be ready. We need to oil our shields. Amen. We need to be ready for the year ahead. Whatever comes our way. God's been challenging us to be like the Maccabees and Hanukkah is all about their story. 
The story is recounted in the apocryphal book of 1 Maccabees. Anyone ever read the Apocrypha? The Apocrypha are in the Catholic Bible. So if you have a Catholic Bible, the apocryphal books are in there. They're not in the real Bible. Sorry, Catholics. <laughs> because all of these books were written by guys not inspired by the Holy Spirit. They're good books. It's just like Purpose Driven Life. You know, that could be a good book. It could really encourage you in your faith. But it's not the Bible. Are you with me? Amen. So 1 Maccabees is a great historical account of what occurred back in the day. But it is not inspired scripture. Are you with me? Okay. So it's okay to read, but you can't base doctrine on anything in an apocryphal book. It's also in the Gospel of John mentioned and in the Jewish Talmud. It's a story of two types of God's people. Number one, there were the secularized Hellenistic Jews who compromised their faith and literally adopted Greek culture. Remember in the New Testament, the book of Acts, uh, they were feeding all the elderly ladies in the church. Do you remember the story? And there rose a commotion between the Orthodox Jews and the Hellenistic Jews. And the Hellenistic Jews said, man, our, our old ladies, our, our grandmas are being left out of the daily feeding. And they were arguing. Orthodox Jews followed the word of God. The Orthodox Jews at least tried to live by the law of God. The Hellenistic Jews were fully compromised, like many churches and Christians today. They adopted uh, societal norms and societal moral and values rather than teaching the Word of God and the Judeo-Christian ethics of the Bible. So that's the first group. They were secularized and compromised. There are many denominations today that fit into this group. There's many Christians today that fit into this group. The second group were those that would stand for truth. They would fight for the temple. They would cleanse the temple and uh, keep it from being defiled. And they would rededicate themselves and the temple of God to the Lord. And that was the Maccabees. It's so fun to try to watch them catch that dog. <laughs> I love doing outdoor church. Uh, by the way, Luke, man, he was driving by this morning. I haven't seen him for 18 years. He was in our Bible college way back then. And he's driving by, and I'm playing music, and he goes, hey, what's going on over there? And I'm like, church, man. And he goes, what church? I'm like, living water. And he goes, Pastor Brett? <laughs> good to see you, brother. Yeah, and all you, but man, it's so good to see you all. All right, so the world is embracing morals and lifestyles and theology in the church Folks, the progressive theology denies that Jesus Christ had to die on the cross for our sins. Do you know that? And there are many progressive Christians that have adopted progressive theology. It's literally neo-orthodoxy or the new orthodox. And this new orthodox says, God did not demand blood sacrifice. Are you kidding me? Folks, we need to stand strong and defend the gospel of Jesus Christ 
and apply apologetics. What does that mean? I'm sorry I believe this? No. Apologetics is the Greek word. And it means to give a defense, to hold up your shield, and to fight for what is right. Folks, it's time to oil our shields. What does that mean? Prepare for war. As in the days of the Maccabees, the apostate church will embrace and support false doctrine and compromise and the secularization of the church. But the faithful, the remnant bride of Christ, the soldiers of the cross will armor up, oil their shields, and they will stand for truth and fight the good fight of faith without compromise. We need the extra oil this morning. Hanukkah is all about that. If you remember the Maccabees uh, finally defeated Antiochus Epiphanes in the Seleucid kingdom. By the way, Antiochus IV, he was a mighty victor. He almost conquered Egypt and Rome stepped in and they were going to fight against Antiochus. But he was powerful enough to conquer the whole known world there except Rome and, and was about to conquer Egypt. Antiochus. They finally rebelled against him and is compromised. And the Hellenistic Jews implored him. They loved him. By the way, he is a type of the Antichrist. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And he actually committed a type of the abomination of desolation going into the temple of God. Hanukkah is all about when they did take back the temple, there was only enough oil for one day. God supernaturally made that oil last seven days. So a menorah has eight, or eight days. And so a menorah has eight candlesticks on it. In the days ahead, we need the extra oil and we need to keep our lamps lit. In Matthew 25, you can turn there if you want in your Bible, starting at verse 1. Matthew 25, verse 1. It says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be compared to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Notice the first thing is, they went out to meet the bridegroom. What does that mean? They knew the day he was coming, they just did not know the hour. So they went out to that place, usually by a stream, a beautiful place. And usually the bridegroom would come right at sunset, when the beautiful sky lit up and the first star appeared, the bridegroom would come and the trumpet would be blown. Behold, the bridegroom! And they would light their lamps and they would do the processional back to the bridegroom's home. A type of the rapture. Now note this. These ten virgins, verse 2, five of them were foolish and five were wise or prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. Do you think oil is important? Absolutely. Remember, Hanukkah is all about God supernaturally providing oil. We're told to have the anointing, the oiling of our Holy Spirit all over our shield of faith and every other piece of armor. Continue on. Verse 4. But the wise or the prudent took oil and flasks along with their lamps. Now while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. And folks, this is a commentary on the whole church. Even the remnant bride of Christ, for a long time, she's been asleep. 
The church has been asleep. It needs to be revived. What does revival mean? To wake up. Revive. Come back from the dead. That's why the Bible says, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead. Put on the armor of light. Folks, today is the day to prepare for war. It is coming. If you're not in a battle now, I can assure you, you will be in a battle maybe in a week or a month, but at some point we all face battles and trials in this life. And that's why we need the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, But at midnight there was a shout, Behold the bridegroom! Come out and meet him. Boy, that's the rapture, folks. I can't wait for that day when that trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rise first and we who are alive and remain are caught up together with them in the air. Oh, I'm ready. Verse 7. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, Give us some of your oil for, note this, our lamps are going out. That scares me. Their lamps were lit. They were waiting for the bridegroom. How many Christians have this fake light, maybe in their own flesh, maybe it's a religion rather than a relationship with Christ, and they're operating in their flesh. They have a lamp, they're waiting for the Lord, but they don't have the extra oil to endure to the midnight hour. Hanukkah is about that. They said there won't be enough for us and you, so go instead to the dealers and buy some more for yourselves. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with them to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. Later, the foolish virgins came and knocked on the door, and he said, I don't even know you. They didn't make it. Folks, we need to have that extra oil. Hanukkah is a feast all about that. It's called the Feast of Lights. Man in Jerusalem, when Jesus was alive... At Hanukkah, the whole town lit up. Have you ever seen a whole street lit up with Christmas lights? That's what it was like at Hanukkah in Jerusalem. The whole town lit up. Everyone would come and celebrate for eight days the Feast of Lights or the Feast of Rededication. You see, Antiochus had slaughtered a pig on the altar in the Jewish temple. He had defiled the temple. The Maccabees took back the Temple Mount, took back Jerusalem, threw off Antiochus and his army supernaturally, and they rededicated the temple to God. Folks, part of the other thing of Hanukkah is all of us here, in one way or another, need to rededicate ourselves to Jesus Christ. The world gets us dirty. Amen? We all fall away. We're on the narrow path. Everything is good. We're pursuing God with everything we have, with all our strength. And next thing we know, we find ourselves far from God. You ever do that? It's like, man, I can't remember the last time I literally worshipped God and connected with Him. I can't remember the next, last time I got into the Word of God and the Holy Spirit spoke to me powerfully. Or the last time I travailed in prayer. And got on my knees before a holy God. Maybe even prostrated myself and just worshipped God and prayed to the Lord. Hanukkah 
is a time of rededication, a recommitment. We talked about sanctification two weeks ago. You take a vessel that is dirty and you wash it and you cleanse it and you make it clean and you declare it set apart for exclusive use by and for God. That's us. We need to do that all the time. Okay, it was clean. The water tasted okay. Sometimes it's dirty. And the water, when I put coffee in there, oh my Lord, have mercy. We need the Holy Spirit to cleanse us, to wash us by the blood of Christ. Hanukkah is when God broke through 250 years of silence. I want you to consider that for a minute. 250 years, God did nothing. Hey, Reagan, how you doing? She's waving at me. She's so sweet. God did not do anything in Israel for 250 years. That's a long time. How long is that? How long have we been a nation? <laughs> Everyone's like, we need more coffee. <laughs> but God broke through that silence at Hanukkah because the Maccabees, this ragtag group of men, said, we will not stand by and allow the temple to be defiled. We are going to fight. We are going to war. We're oiling our shields. And they fought and got supernaturally. They only had enough oil for one day. It lasted eight days. God did a miracle at Hanukkah. The miracle, the Jews were allowed to observe the law and worship God in the temple under the Greek Syrian Seleucid empires until Antiochus Epiphanes came. The Hellenistic Jews were tired of the Orthodox Jews. The Hellenistic Jews loved Greek culture. Oh, they loved the toga parties and they loved all of that. And Antiochus was swept in by the Hellenistic Jews and brought compromise to the temple. Antiochus was a type of the Antichrist as he ruled over the Jews and committed the abomination of desolation, or at least a type of it. Here's the difference. Antiochus said you can no longer honor the Sabbath, you can no longer be circumcised, and you have to worship Zeus. And he set up an image of Zeus in the temple and sacrificed pigs on the altar. By the way, that's not kosher. <laughs> pigs you touch a pig you're defiled you have to go through a whole ceremonial cleansing and he sacrificed a pig on the altar all of that points to the antichrist the difference the antichrist will not honor the gods of his fathers and he will go into the rebuilt temple in the last days and do what set up an image of himself and proclaim himself as god antiochus didn't do that all right. He was just a type of the Antichrist. All right. Antiochus, hold on a second. There we go. Dealt forcibly with those that didn't obey him. He killed 40,000 Jews. He sold another 40,000 Jews into slavery. But the Maccabees stood up against it. A ragtag group of men. It's kind of like the first Red Dawn. You ever see the movie Red Dawn? Who's seen it? You saw it. Yeah, a few of you. Yeah, it's like the first Red Dawn. The Maccabees were those guys in the mountains coming down and doing little attacks here and there. 
the Maccabees supernaturally threw off Antiochus' rule and rededicated the temple. And that brings us to Hanukkah today. So, Hanukkah, what is significant about Hanukkah? Hold on a second. I'm skipping a whole bunch here. That's okay. <laughs> All right, Jesus celebrated Hanukkah, and it is at Hanukkah that Christ announced, guess what? I and the Father are one. Why do you think he chose Hanukkah to do that? He's the light of the world. He's the light of the world, and Hanukkah is the feast of lights. We, in the new covenant, become the temple of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Bible says we're spiritual stones being built together as a spiritual house. So Christ rededicated the temple, the church, and us to God and gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit, the oil that anoints us. Are you with me? So Christ fulfilled all of the, in his first coming, Hanukkah in its old coming, and the final temple that will be dedicated is the new Jerusalem, and that's what Hanukkah will finally represent. Turn, if you would, to John, and this is where it gets good. Chapter 10, starting at verse 22. Uh-oh, you guys are in trouble. I forgot to put my watch on today. <laughs> What time is it? 10.46, good. We got, we got 15 minutes. We'll get through this. <laughs> John chapter 10, verse 22. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. Verse 24. And the Jews gathered around him and were saying to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Why did the Jews come to him and ask him that? Here's why. Jesus fulfilled every prophecy about who Messiah would be, and the Jews knew that. These Jews, by the way, were the Sadducees, not the Pharisees. I mean, it were the Pharisees, not the Sadducees. I got that wrong. The Pharisees believed in a literal Messiah in the resurrection of the dead. The Sadducees did not. They wanted to maintain their authority and their control over the people and the temple. So the Sadducees were the, uh, the bad uh, Orthodox Jews. The Pharisees were the good Orthodox Jews, all right, that believed in a literal Messiah. So they came. They, he's healing people. He's opening the eyes of the blind. Just a, a few days earlier than this, he literally said, I am the light of the world. All who comes to me will have the light of life. So the Pharisees at Hanukkah came up to Jesus and said, please stop keeping us in suspense. John chapter 10, verse 24. If you are the Christ, if you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. As the Maccabees defeated the Greek and Syrian rule, the Jews were waiting for Messiah to throw off Roman rule. 
So the Pharisees were coming to Christ saying, if you're the Messiah, tell us why. Because if you are, man, we're going to be an independent, free nation again. And we're going to throw off Roman tyranny. And we will be the, the nation God has called us to be. And Messiah will be in our midst. They wanted Jesus to be Messiah. Of course, they expected a conquering king. Yet the first coming of Christ, he came as a humble servant. Inevitably, the lamb of God. If you can see this up here, can you see it? The screen or no? Uh, no. Not really? <laughs> okay. Uh, so they came and said, please tell us plainly. Jesus was uh, walking in Solomon's portico. And earlier, Jesus said this in John chapter 10, verse 9. You can turn back there if you want. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. Is that pretty clear? Hey, there's no way to get to heaven except through me. I'm the door. If you enter through me, you will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Is Jesus getting them ready for the gospel here? Okay, this is all at Hanukkah. This is when Jesus revealed himself. The Feast of Lights, verse 17 of John chapter 10. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. Here he proclaims clearly, hey, I'm going to be killed, but I will resurrect from the dead. No one has taken it from me, verse 18, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. In verse 30, Jesus finally reveals and says it plainly. All right, Jews, you want to know if I'm the Messiah? John 10, 30. I and the Father are one. Jesus did this at Hanukkah. You know, it's interesting. All the feasts point to Jesus Christ and the church. And it blows my mind that Christians don't even know what the feasts are and absolutely don't celebrate them, but they celebrate two activities, two events that aren't even in the Bible. Christmas and Easter. You would think, wow, at Hanukkah Jesus did this. Wouldn't it be great to gather our children, to light the candles, and to say this is the candle that was in the temple Back when God made it, it was beautiful, it was gold, it was huge. And in Revelation, John saw that candle and Jesus said, this candle represents the church. The letters to the seven churches, each candlestick represents one type of the church. And it all is about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And we could use it as a teachable time for our kids and tell them this is when Jesus declared to the world, I am the Messiah. I am the Father, are one. I'm going to die, but I will raise again. Notice what the Jews did. Verse 31. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them, I showed you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you stoning me? And the Jews answered him, 
For a good work, we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you, being a man, make yourself out to be what? God. There was no mistake about it. Jesus declared, I and the Father are one. I am co-equal with God the Father. I have created all things uh, in me and all things are sustained through me and the Spirit of God. There is no question. And yet, neo-orthodoxy will deny the deity of Christ. We need to stand for truth in the last days. The light has come into the world and we know that uh, Pastor Chris mentioned the verse, John chapter 8, verse 12. Just prior to the Feast of Hanukkah, John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The menorah itself represents the church and the bride of Christ. It's Revelation chapter 1, verse 20. It says, as for the mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. We all are lights on a lampstand. Matthew chapter five, verse 14 says, now you church are the light of the world, a city on a hill which cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a lampstand and it gives its light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Hanukkah is about getting the oil, lighting our lamps, rededicating our lives to Christ, getting rid of anything that has defiled the temple of the Holy Spirit like the Maccabees did and allowing God's Spirit to fill us with the good gifts and fruit that He so longs to give us. Hanukkah is about becoming the men, women, and young people that God can use to shine bright in the midst of a dark and hurting world. The beauty of it is in Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, speaking of that menorah in heaven representing the church, it says this, To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, and the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands says this. You know what that is saying is Christ walks in our midst through the agency of the Holy Spirit. When we gather together corporately on Sunday mornings, the Holy Spirit is here walking in our midst, wanting to heal, wanting to empower, and wanting to minister to each and every one of us here. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9, it says, You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above all your companions. You know, the joy of the Lord is our strength. I don't know who here deals with depression or worry or anxiety, but maybe you find yourself tossing and turning or 
bringing the, the cares that you just don't have that peace. I believe Hanukkah is the season to allow the Holy Spirit, the extra oil supernaturally provided by God to give you peace that transcends understanding. The extra oil makes us strong to stand for truth against compromise. And it empowers us for living. And inevitably, it produces within us that sweet fruit of the Holy Spirit. This Hanukkah, I believe God wants to do a miracle in all our lives. Whatever you have been battling that you just couldn't conquer, whether it be addiction, whether it be an attitude, whether it be anxious or anxiety uh, or worrisome thoughts or depression, this morning I believe the Lord wants to pull you out of that, wants to get rid of the defilement in your life, wants to anoint you with His oil and get your lamp shining brightly again with the power of God. God's gift to you this morning is His peace, power, and love. I believe God wants to give that to all of us. So, at Hanukkah, God broke through 250 years of silence. God wouldn't do another thing for another 150 years. In fact, God was totally silent from, uh, from Malachi to Zechariah, John the Baptist's dad. God did not speak. Nothing is written in the Bible about what God did for 400 years. Remember we talked about 400s? That's significant in Scripture. So is 40. Thus are 40 weeks to freedom. But God did break through and remind them that He's there, that He hasn't left them nor forsaken them. And if we run to the Lord like the prodigal son, times of refreshing will come from the throne of God. Maybe you feel like God's been silent in your life. Maybe this morning you feel like God's not doing anything in your life anymore, just like the nation of Israel. Think about that. 400 years he did nothing except Hanukkah. One little thing. We celebrate this feast to give God that opportunity to again shine bright in our hearts, to fill us with His love and His grace and His mercy, to fill us with His Holy Spirit and His power. It is a day to rededicate our life, our family, this church, and everything else we own or do to God. I want to be fully dedicated to the Lord like the temple. So this morning, God is asking us to oil our shields. How do we do that? The Bible says, hey, if you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, just like when a child asks his dad for a fish, he doesn't give him a stone, does he? So too, when you ask the Father for the Holy Spirit, He will freely give it to you. We don't have to work ourselves up into an emotional frenzy. In fact, one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is self-control. Some of the charismatic movement, that, that is false fire, folks. Because they get into the frenzy, they lose control, they scream and roll around on the ground when the fruit of the Spirit is self-control and discipline. 
So when you are empowered by the Spirit, you have more self-control. You don't lose control. When you are empowered by the Spirit, you have clarity. You have wisdom. And you have all the gifts of the Holy Spirit that God wants to empower us today, this Hanukkah Sunday. Like the Maccabees, we say this from Psalm 18:2: The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God and my rock in whom I will take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Lord, today we ask for that oil that we could oil our shields of faith and be men and women of God sold out for your kingdom standing for truth in these last days amen and restores my soul satisfies my need. thank you for listening to staying the course with pastor brett peterson if you would like a copy of this message or would like to submit a prayer request or comment contact us at 949-888-5777 or email us at info at ccbcu.edu God bless you as you seek and serve Him. Remember, stay the course, and we'll see you next week. I love your word. I love the way it comforts me. Strengthens and restores my soul. Satisfies my needs.